0: The 630Chad Afternoon News with Jalyn Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630Chad. Well, today is definitely one of those interesting people days. Uh, we're going to move from one powerhouse to another this afternoon. And I'm absolutely fascinated with our next guest as well and and the work she is doing. She is a doctor a public speaker, a martial artist, an advanced diver, a skydiver, a pilot in training, and a scientist-astronaut candidate. Her list of accomplishments goes on and on, and her plan is to be an astronaut. Please welcome to the show Edmonton's Dr. Shana Pandya. Dr. Pandya, welcome to 630Chad. Thank Chad. you.
1: Thank you so hey. much for having me
0: okay oh my goodness so i'm reading about you and i I just said to myself like what have i been doing with my time (laughs) like what have i been doing with my time for the past 30 years it has been one thing after another uh for you i mean it's absolutely unbelievable what are you you mid-30s and you're ticking things off the list unbelievably the goal is to be an astronaut you love flight what was it that that started that passion
1: You know, growing up, I grew up in the 90s, um, and that was when the second ever Canadian Space Agency class of astronaut candidates was going through, and that included the first ever female Canadian astronaut in space, Dr. Roberta Uh Blondar, and I was tremendously inspired by her journey, and so I looked at her accomplishments and thought, okay, well, she's Canadian. I'm Canadian. She's female. I'm female. He's a girl guide. I'm a girl guide. All I need to do is be a neuroscientist, doctor, and astronaut, and I can just follow her footsteps.
0: <laughs> so you've been, you've been checking off all of these things. Can you explain to me what um, a citizen, scientist, astronaut candidate is? What, what is this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the space sector is evolving tremendously and it used to be that the only path towards space was through a typical governmental space agency like the Canadian Space Agency or NASA. And as we see the rise of commercial spaceflight providers like Virgin Galactic, Blue Origin, SpaceX, you know, it's becoming apparent that there really is space for all of us. And so Project Possum, with which I'm a scientist astronaut candidate, is a um, is a not-for-profit bioastronautics program with scientific mandate. I've been involved for five years. I've gotten to do really cool things like test spacesuits in pure gravity. And I just have to say it's impossible to be in zero gravity, have a spacesuit, and not have a giant smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about
0: that. I mean, um, I, I talk for a living, uh, Sean. I mean, it was something that I always wanted to do, but on, on top of my list, I've always thought being an astronaut would be the coolest job on the planet, be able to go into space. I think that, you know, that would be the top of the bucket list uh, on, on mine. And you've been you've worked hard to, to, to move towards this goal and get closer and closer and do some of this. So when you're looking at testing this commercial spacesuit in zero gravity, First off, who are you testing it for? Is it, you know, is it for, I don't know, SpaceX or, and, 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 and what does that look like?
1: So this is a company called Final Frontier Design. Um, they have won several NASA grants and contracts to build out their spacesuit. And so in the spaceflight world, we love our acronyms. excuse me, We love our acronyms and um, we talk about TRLs or Technology Readiness Levels. And so you can't just go from having an idea to flying it in space. You need to go through the Mm -hmm. steps to make it space ready. And so testing the spacesuit in zero gravity on parabolic flight or what we may colloquially know as the vomit comet is um, one step getting it ready for space and increasing its TRL. So. Dr. Pandya, when when you when you look at
0: what you want to do and you talk about wanting to be an astronaut, are you looking at, you know, doing it as you know traditionally, like you know Roberta Bondar, like Chris Hadfield, or, or are you looking at the other options that are out there now? When we look at things like um, Virgin Galactic or SpaceX, w- w- what would be your ideal?
1: You know, any, anyone who wants to spend, send me to space and do it for a good cause, <laughs> do it for science, do it for exploration, you know, give me, give me a call. I'm happy happy to help out. So with the Canadian Space Agency, whether it's with Possum, whether it's with a commercial um flight provider, you know, the idea is to keep on pushing those limits, um, explore the boundaries of knowledge and contribute to human exploration, discovery and knowledge, and, you know, just keep pushing further. When you, you've
0: been working on a number of different projects, which are all fascinating, can you tell me about uh, Project Poseidon, which is ocean and space explor or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, ocean and space exploration? What is that about? So you're talking—we're going from one extreme. We're talking above, you know, about about space, and then we're also talking about the depths of the ocean, which is also fascinating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is actually the Neptune project and it's yet another Acronym. It stands for Nautical Experiments in Physiology Technology and Underwater Exploration. Um, and this was when I obtained my Aquanaut designation this time last year. And basically with a crew of four other um, incredibly accomplished um, scientists and explorers, we conducted a series of cognition, physiology, and technology experiments while living on the ocean floor in a underwater habitat just off the Florida Keys at the Jeweled Undersea Water last year and the commonality between you know living on the ocean floor and going to space is they're both examples of what we call extreme or austere environments um or what we call ice so that's isolated and confined extreme environments and the idea is you know you don't want the first time to practice you that you practice something in space to be in space and so you use these extreme environments as analogs to to test rehearse observe um and then iterate
0: yeah and that's interesting because every time that i've interviewed chris hadfield and he's been on the show a couple of times and we've done a couple of events together i've, I've MC'd events where he's spoken at you know uh, the question always came up was you know aren't you aren't you weren't you afraid weren't you afraid to do this and and chris hadfield would colonel hadfield would always say well no because by the time you get there you know it inside and out you know maybe the first time he would use the example of you know the first time you ride your bike you might be scared but the thousandth time you've ridden your bike you're not scared anymore so all of this is such an important component of making sure that we have success when we are doing these um, intense intense projects isn't it
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point is that fear can be overcome. It can be dissected. You can take a rational approach to it. And definitely that's something that became apparent to me the first time I went skydiving. I figured out not that I was afraid of heights, but that I was afraid of jumping from heights, which is an interesting conclusion uh-huh. to come to 14,000 feet above the above the ground. But then, you know, you just keep jumping and you deal with scenarios as they come up. And, you know, I eventually attained my uh, accelerated free fall skydiving license.
0: Man, it's it's amazing uh, what you what you've been able to do or what you have been doing. It's not amazing. It's hard work and it's passion and it's commitment. You talk about extreme and austere conditions, and there's been a lot of talk about about Mars and about maybe someday colonizing Mars. You've been working on that front as well. Can you tell us about that project um, in Utah that you were involved with recently?
1: yeah so i've been lucky enough to do two rotations at the mars desert research station or mdrs and this is a another example of an analog environment this time in the utah desert in the middle of nowhere and it really is like living real life on fake mars you're living with your crew in this tin can anytime you want to go outside um, you do have to suit up because it's like going out into the Martian environment and really it's, it's an experiment in team dynamics, psycho, um, psychological interactions, resilience, as well as all the science and technology that you bring with you. So, Shana, when we talk
0: about uh, about Mars and, and you know, oh. when, when you listen to the talk about, about it, I, I think for a lot of us mere mortals, we hey. think we kind of roll our eyes. Can you still hear me okay? Yes, perfectly. Okay. Yeah, and if um, and you know, I think for some of us, we just think, oh my goodness, this is never going going to happen. Do you think it's going to happen? And what is that going to look like? Do you think? Oh, I'm sorry about colonizing Mars, about living on Mars, about humans living on Mars someday.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. So, you know, a big part of my job, as you as you said in my intro, is that I'm a physician by training. And so, you know, people ask me what the overlap is between space and medicine. And really the key, key takeaway is that space is trying to kill you. So it's a very hostile <laughs> environment with the radiation, the altered uh, and decreased gravity, the distance from home, your resource limited. And so we really have a lot of challenges to overcome when, it, when you talk about sending humans to Mars. The communication delay alone, you know, at its furthest point is 23 minutes one way. So imagine that you're in a critical medical scenario and you are trying to get help from Earth. Well, a conversation will take 46 minutes by the time you send out a reply and get a reply back. So there's many medical challenges. And, you know, the the idea of increasing that training, increasing that crew independence. Technologies that will get there to help with that training and diagnostics and the medicine. Um, You know, those are certain ways in which we can help mitigate the risks that sending humans to Mars.
0: I think, you know, there's been a lot of work done over, um, you know, the, the past number of decades on the, the impact on the human body on, uh, you know, from space travel and from living in space. What do you think still needs to be worked on? What do you, what do you think is a priority um, as we move forward and as, as more people are, are seeing this as a potential possibility, even just through, you know, maybe space travel, space tourism?
1: Yeah, so there's lots of challenges. So one of the biggest challenges, as we talk about going outside of um, the low-Earth low orbit, where the ISS orbits, the International Space Station, we actually move outside the protective magnetic field of the Van Allen belt. And so radiation, background radiation, solar flares, galactic cosmic rays really become a risk. Um, so that's one major risk that we need to overcome and then the psycho psychodynamics you know you're you're not you're not in Kansas anymore you're not with your creature <laughs> comforts there's no Starbucks you don't have your pets and so what are you know what are the psychological profiles that would do well on a martian habitat that would take six to nine months to get to And so you know there's what nasa calls big five there's um distance from earth radiation altered gravity environment isolation confinement and then hostile environment and you know each of these play big threats and the the good news is there's whole bodies of research out there to help keep humans safe on the way to the moon mars and beyond um when it comes to
0: space tourism it's itself space tourism would you hop on one of those things on the first time that uh you know a seat becomes available would you be nervous about it can you hear me i think we're having some connection issues i can hear you okay
1: can you hear me yeah I can hear you now. Okay, we we're asking about space tourism,
0: and I didn't catch the rest of the question there. Uh, sorry, there's a there's a problem with the signal. I, when it comes to space tourism, when we're seeing you know we're seeing more advancements made on on that front. Do you have confidence in in that? Would you would you be on the first flight if you had the opportunity?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I co-authored <laughs> a literature review on medical guidelines for commercial space flight, and there is data to support that. It, it truly is so safe your grandmother could fly. And, you know, what <laughs> has been done on Earth is that. Uh, Um, there's been centrifuge studies subjecting anyone between age 19 to 89 with a variety of conditions from being a type 1 diabetic with an insulin pump to having uh, congenital heart defects and they subjected them to some of the same gravity loads not the microgravity or zero gravity but the increased gravity loads and in fact um, pretty much everyone despite medical conditions did well in the centrifuge studies and really the number one disqualifier for taking someone off of the, um, that experiment was anxiety, claustrophobia, or just not being able to uh, follow the directions. So from a medical standpoint, um, you know, results are, are initially looking promising. When you talk about what the profile of a suborbital flight is, it's minutes, it's not days or months or close yeah. to a year like you would see on the International Space Station. So, you know, it, it, it is really opening up a whole new frontier to make space more accessible.
0: When it comes to women in tech and in sciences, um, I mean, we're seeing more and more women get involved and, and want to be involved and, and making waves and, 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 and grabbing the headlines. What do you tell um, youngsters, young girls um, I don't know, even into your 20s, whatever it is, about getting into this this field, about uh, what they need to do to be successful.
1: So you were oh, asking about what my advice would be for, you know, the next generation, especially yeah. girl. Yeah. So, you know, this is something I'm very passionate about. I'm involved with a number of initiatives to help promote um, science, um, you know, to, to the next generation. So the first piece of advice is set a goal. You know, set no limit. Make a plan to get there. Because a dream without a goal. Oh, it sounds
0: like we. Oh, there you go. Oh, you're back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so, can you hear me? Okay.
0: Yeah, I can. We're having some challenges today, but I can hear you.
1: Perfect. So, what I was saying is that um, you know I, I'm involved with a number of initiatives. Um, that help promote space um, to underrepresented groups and young women. And um, the the, the short answer is, you know, set big dreams, make a plan to get there, because otherwise it's just a dream, it's not a goal. Work really, really, really hard to get there, and then act like you belong there, because you do. (laughs) Um, And, you know, don't let anyone tell you otherwise.
0: I think that's great advice for just about anyone, Shauna. Before I let you go here, what's next for you?
1: Well, I'm involved with a really fun event locally tomorrow. Um, yes. So, uh, we know, I'm sure every Edmontonian is familiar familiar with the TELUS World of Science. So I am lucky enough to be co-hosting the virtual Lumen Kitchen Party. Um, so we, this is the science center's annual fundraiser we have music jokes 50 50 draws and a silent auction and more we have a lot of local talent so there's still room to get tickets to help support the local science center all of their scientific initiatives so if you would love to join us, we would love to have you. Go to twosetwose.com slash kitchen party, buy your tickets, and I would love to see you there.
0: You know what? I want to thank you for joining us this afternoon and being so um, inspirational. Keep up the amazing work. I, I can't wait to, to see where you're going to be two years, five years, ten years from now. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. All the best.
0: Yeah, take care. Dr. Shana Pandya from Edmonton again. If you're interested in the event uh, tomorrow night, you can check it out. Check out the TELUS World of Science webpage.